Welcome back to Your 1230, the only podcast where our guests tell their story with the help of 12 questions in just 30 minutes. I'm your host, Mike Salitro, and today we are very excited to be joined by Jim Politas. Jim, Hi, Mike. How are you? Good. How are you, Jim? Uh, just I'm really over, good. Thanks. Quick, quick intro here for you. Jim is a mentor to CEOs, a lawyer, inventor, entrepreneur, a Wall Street Journal bestselling author, and is releasing his new book in early 2024, February of next year, Vision Maker. Uh, a lot of stuff there, Jim. If you meet someone new, how do you introduce yourself or what do you tell them? Well, it's new territory for me, Mike. Truthfully, uh, when I was a lawyer, I used to say, hi, I'm the fun lawyer. And that would create in them a, a kind of a curiosity, right? That's sort of an oxymoron. Uh, but this is new territory for me because I really haven't focused just on vision right now. So I don't know if, I, th I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, hey, I'm the vision guy. You'll get what do you some, think? I think that's a good one. You'll get some interesting questions. Uh, when I thought of, when you said fun lawyer, and I can say this because I'm a lawyer myself, the first thing I thought of, that's a low bar, that there's not there's not a lot of competition there. So uh, that's <laughs> that's good that that's the way you thought of yourself. Although I don't know. I, I what I found. Go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, no, I found ahead. that lawyers, lawyers hate it, uh, hated when I said that. They, they, they didn't like it at all. But other Everyday people, they thought that was hysterical and they'd remember me. Sometimes they get it wrong. It wasn't the fun lawyer. It was the funny lawyer or the whatever lawyer. But it would it would imprint in their mind. That's all I wanted was them to remember me when they needed me, right? There you go. Uh, I was going to say, I don't know many people who say when they were a lawyer or when I used to be a lawyer. Even people who don't practice, they don't refer to it in the past. Is this something you don't do any longer or is that that's a closed door or how do you how do you look at that? I'm still involved in my in my law firm. I consult, and on the larger stuff, um, I will actually step in if I need to. But for the most part, I have set aside my mentoring of my uh, other business owners and my law practice to focus on vision. That's where I really want to play right now. So, what does vision mean to you when you what what are you talking about, and how are you helping people achieve theirs or, or craft theirs? Uh, I discovered. Uh, through my own sort of um, efforts, if you will, that uh, I needed to I needed to work on vision because I had limited myself. And in doing that, um, it, it sort of uncovered a process that I had to adopt in order for me to change the vision killer in my mind and the vision killer and other people around me. And I tell the story in the book that I wrote. Um, it, it, and it really is something you have to confront uh, within yourself uh, that tells you, oh, there's limits that you can't achieve these things. And when I did that, uh, I started sharing that with mentor with um, CEOs, other people that I was mentoring and helping them to grow their business. And the results were incredible when they started creating these huge visions, these awesome, incredible visions to solve their business problems. Many of them were stuck right where they were. And uh, and so then that just became a passion. And now, you know, it's full time. I'm, I'm, I'm immersed in it. I love it. And there's a couple of things I want to follow up on there. We'll start with the vision killing or the vision limiting. Why do most of us do that, especially when it comes to what we are trying to achieve? What what is holding us back and why do we allow us to do that? We were trained. Since we were young, we were trained. Uh, if you have kids, uh, what's the first thing we want to do? We want to protect them, right? So if they say too early, oh, hey, you know, I want to do this or I want to do that, and we don't think they're ready yet, then we tell them, well, don't, don't reach too far. Don't want you to be disappointed. 
Well, that carries through to as we get into college and as we get into law, in my case, law school. And then even uh, I was told, you can't be a lawyer. You're from the wrong side of the tracks. You, you don't have the money. You don't know anybody. You may not even get the grades. It turned out not to be true, but there was a long delay before I pursued it because I had been convinced that one way or another, um, you know, that it, and I wasn't going to be able to do that. And so this is the thing we have to change. It's sort of an evolution. Instead of us looking at the successful people that we know, and we all know them, we know who they are, and we admire them, and we go, wow, you know, I wish I was that person. Well, the truth is you are. The only difference between you and them is that they decided to do something different than to have the success and then talk about it. They started to have the success while they talked about it, and so then they became very popular. And that's what we need to do, too. That's that's fascinating. Do something different piece there. Do you find that most people that either you're speaking with uh, when it comes to getting word out about the book or maybe even clients that you're working with, do they know that they're doing something that needs to be different? Or is that the first piece to acknowledge what you're doing is not working or what you're doing is actually prohibiting you from get, taking that next step? It's a great question because the truth is most of the time we think of vision. What do we think? Oh, yeah. Here's another guy talking about vision. I already did my vision statement. It's in the drawer someplace. It's collecting dust. I don't, you know, I don't need to do that again. But the truth is that when we started looking at vision from this new lens, a vision bigger than you, bigger than your client, how many of us own businesses and we say, well, we just, I just want to serve my client really well. I want that vision to be even bigger. Then what happens is it starts acting as a magnet. It starts pulling people into your, your world and it starts attracting the revenue you want, the employees you want, the people that are, you know, all those problems that you've been fighting and, and, and trying to solve in your business. And it isn't just for the small guy either. This is for companies that are $100 million. It's working. So, so you hit on it. Sometimes people hear the term vision and it's like, well, I've done that or that box is checked or it's like, I don't need to worry about this. How have you realized, and as, as you evolve in your career and evolve in the things that you're doing, gotten to a point, this is not only important, this is the most important thing I'm working on, and it touches everything that I want to accomplish everywhere I want to go. Yeah, you're right on. In, in my opinion, a lot of the business problems are solved with this bigger concept of vision. Your competitors, if they do it, they're going to put you out of business. They will. And so what we have to do is we have to be very realistic about main, creating space for ourselves to allow ourselves to be this visioner. Most of the business people that get into business and succeed are doers. You've done things. You've created. You, you've mastered it. And you've made it efficient. That's why you were successful. That's why you made enough money to survive, right, instead of the large percentage that fail. But you now need to embrace both. You need to be that doer, but you have to be that visioner too. I think that the work of Simon Sinek was terrific, like Find My Why. If you're familiar with that book, I'm sure many of your readers, your listeners are. It's a great book, but think about it for a second. It's the step in evolution. Nobody else cares about your why. We need to start thinking about our why. And it doesn't have to be social either. It can be just our my why, our why in our field. And, um, and the results... You know, speak for themselves. Incredible morph. It just changes things. I, I love the way that you talk about vision and you put it in a very 
understandable terms that how it shapes the things that really keep us from either getting to where we want to go or that will allow our competitors to get past us if we if we don't take that step. Um, you, you also talked about you know, working with CEOs, working with others in business. And sometimes it's easier to have that fresh set of eyes or that perspective that's not looking at your screen or in, in your work all day. How how have you been able to kind of harness that to help others who are maybe too close to it or they uh, just might not have the benefit of that second pair of eyes? I'm, uh, I'm honestly not going to take a lot of credit here. You know what? CEOs, entrepreneurs by nature are tremendously insightful. When we get stuck, though, we're just we're reprocessing over and over again, sometimes the same thing over and over again. We need a fresh look at it. All I need to do as as the mentor to a CEO that ignites in them this opportunity is to push them a bit. Hey, what's your vision? And and you said it earlier. Oftentimes, they just want to check the box. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that. You know, I wrote it out here. Let me read it to you. And they read it. And it's this legalistic sounding thing that they can't even repeat it at a cocktail party. By the way, Mike, if you can't say your vision at a cocktail party, it's not big enough. Nobody else cares about it. In your company, if you can't get people at a cocktail party talking about your vision and and what you want to do, then you need to go back to that drawing board. And that's what I do as a mentor is just continue to ask that question. And because it seemed like that process was repeatable, I wrote it in a book, and that's what I'm out trying to do now is to introduce the book to as many people as possible, one of the reasons I'm on your show, uh, so that they, too, can evolve because um, I have a bigger vision myself, right? It isn't just in business that I want to see us succeed in vision. I think our country lacks a certain amount of vision. I think our policies on environment and on on you know poverty and on uh, third world countries that we need vision and I don't hear anybody speaking up and, and attracting me we need this so this time follow up on that but before I do I want to ask what is your cocktail party vision that you'll share when asked yeah so right now I, I ask people will you help me? to get involved in the idea of creating an entirely new vision of how we create vision. And when they ask me how they wanna do that, because most people are busy, they don't wanna give a lot of time. All I do is I ask them to start being a good vision maker rather than a vision killer. Just start with that. Start with your children, start with your boss, start with your coworker or your CFO who's telling you you can't do this and figure out a way that you can communicate a bigger vision with them and enroll them. And I'll give, I'll give away one thing here that, that this, is, this is gold right here. This is really important. If you're getting pressure from the vision killer, here's the statement that you need to use. And it works every time. It freezes a vision killer in their tracks. I'm a lawyer after all. I'm a classic vision killer. It freezes me. So I know it's going to work for you. And, and ultimately what you do is when somebody is focusing on killing the vision, they are talking about execution always. It isn't the vision that has something wrong with it. It's the question of how to get it done. And yet we're just in the infancy of creating this vision. We want to collaborate with a lot of people as well. So what we say to them is, hey, it sounds to me like you're focusing on execution play with me for a little bit in vision. 
those words and the use of the word play triggers in us a playfulness, a creativity, an, a willingness to talk. And the vision maker suddenly gets enrolled in, oh, okay, you're giving me permission to not have to protect you. I'm in. Let's play. And then they start talking and having fun. And then soon you get a collaboration of a group of people. And some of those how questions become clarified just by creating the vision because they have other assets or resources available to them that you didn't even know existed. Well, you started there. That killer versus maker distinction is fantastic because I, I think that when you once you say that to someone at, at the at the proverbial party, it's like, yeah, I you know my kid said that, and the first thing I said was, no, don't do that. You're gonna get hurt. Be careful. When it's like, nope, I want me to take a step back and help them make this a reality for them. And then uh, the exercise there is wonderful. Writing this is and your imagine, first. Oh, go ahead. Imagine the parent, the fear. That the parent has, right? Because I'm a parent of three. And the fear I have of, of saying to them, yeah, go for it, <laughs> knowing full well that they're not ready for it that, the, the internally. So we have to deal with that. And the way to deal with it is not for us to try and figure out how at the moment, but rather to start calling for them, showing them how to gain the resources how to start looking into it, how to start investigating air areas, contributing to the ideas uh, that build the vision, that make it bigger. Because if it's not big enough, then it's just, it's, it's not, it's, it, nobody's going to care about getting it done. If, if you say, well, I want to make a million dollars, that's not really a vision, right? Nobody cares about you making a million dollars. And that's why when you, when you kind of reposition it as, I think your phrase was play with me on this, is that you kind of take off the pressure and you kind of make it, We'll have fun. We will let the consequences by the side. We'll kind of step away from reality here. And that allows you to imagine or to to get rid of the, uh, here's my A to B thinking, then I'm going to actually look at this a different way. I think that's really good advice. It is gold. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's fun to do. It's fun to do. And I've never, I've walked into a couple of board meetings or, or employee high level functioning meetings with these let's call them engineering types. They're very methodical. And I'm being pre-warned by the CEO. Oh, you're not going to like, they're not, they're not going to be in vision. And by the end of an hour or two of just me saying those kinds of things and inspiring them, they are wound up excited more than the CEO. And they're the ones that typically have the detailed answers as to how we'll get to later on down the road that we have to first get them enrolled in the vision. Another little tidbit here, if it's only your vision and not that of everybody around you, then you're fighting the hill. And we're, as a society, that's who we have become. I'm the visioner, you're the doer, do what I say, and I'll pay you, right? But we want to kind of change that too. We want everybody that's in, involved with us in the vision to have a stake in it, to actually feel connected to it, to actually feel motivated by it by some internal connectivity that we found by going deep as to why it is we really want to achieve this vision for ourselves and for others. So that, I, that's, a, that's a great point. I want to ask you about that. So I think we've all at some point worked for organizations or direct managers or even reports where we've tried to do that and something has gone wrong, where even if we're trying to get people with us on that boat to move together, that it either does not come across genuinely or it's like, Yes, you want my opinion, but ultimately, we're going to do what you want us to do. 
and it, it's not it's not it's not really the collaborative in nature. So what is the best way or how can how can we do that better when when we're trying to build a consensus toward the vision? How can we do that to get so because sometimes they are there there is a power dynamic that is not going to be overcome. But you can still work together. Yeah, and uh, there there will be a few that you just you will have to step aside. You'll have to set them aside. Let them watch. Let them watch the excitement going on and go. Oh, maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I was pushing a little too hard against this thing. But for the most part, they'll they'll enroll. They'll enroll if they're given that permission to enroll. And the way um, the 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 dynamic that you want to look for is really in leadership, isn't it? What we're really talking about when we talk about vision is you having the leadership role of empowering and enabling others around you to join you. And, and it has to be learned. It isn't something that you, some have it innately and some don't. And some had the vision portion of it, but they were ruthless. Think of Steve Jobs. Anybody will tell you from Apple that he was a great visioner, but boy, he was ruthless to work with. And so we want to be even better than that. We want to be the visioner that can enroll. And then the things become so much more easily attained when we continue to inspire and push them into that space. But there is no easy answer for the person that just is going to be entrenched in negativity or they're not interested or it may not even be important to them. And if it's not important to them, they don't belong on your team, quite frankly. Okay, that's a good answer. Uh, back to the back to the book. This is your first book, right? No, this will be my fourth book. I have another book, a Wall Street Journal bestseller. But this is my first book where I've really spent some time outlining something that I thought was truly worth my setting aside my other career and work and, and focusing on. The others were more about how I was doing certain things. This, I believe, I truly believe could be changing for many of us in a positive way. And, and so I, I said, okay, I'm old enough, a little long in the tooth now. I'm going to go ahead and get out there and, and start advocating this and, and get people interested. My ideal would be my my vision would be that different persons in different sectors of our world take this concept and apply it to what they do best. So I'm not in the nonprofit sector, although I've been involved in nonprofits, but I'm not an expert in that sector. If a person that was an expert in that sector said, hey, there's some value here, and I'm going to take that to my sector, wouldn't that be just a great outcome? Same thing with all these other areas that we need vision in. Yeah, absolutely. That would be, wouldn't that be just incredible? That would and be incredible. so, yeah, that's, that's where I'm doing it. And that ties to something you mentioned earlier about uh, you know, just having vision within uh, not different sectors. I think you mentioned the environment and policy. And sometimes the the problem can be that it's solitary focus on what's happening in my area. And I don't think about what's happening in these other sectors or how we can work together to kind of harness different ways of doing things. Is there, it kind of goes back to the consensus building, but when we are either in our business and we're looking at what, just, what impacts us or our team, how can we kind of take a step back and see what the bigger picture is to have a, a proper vision that is more than just our sector, our team, our industry, that's like to take into these, uh, a lot of times they do work together, but we're just focused on what what's in front of us. 
pick up the clues that are sitting all around on the table. So oftentimes uh, I will coach a CEO to be quiet for a little bit and listen to your people because they're going to tell you what they think. As you start to ask the question and say, hey, this is the vision. This is the vision I would like to put forward. How are you in, in getting this vision? There are competing interests. The production people don't want to be you know, derailed into something that's that's impossible for them to get done. The salespeople don't want to have a sales challenge that's too hard to overcome that, you know, we, we have all these dynamics because they want to do well and they want to succeed. And maybe even their their pay is paid is paid in accordance with some success metric. And so if those can be competing interests, but what we do know is if we're quiet a little bit, we start listening to what they're telling us, we can then negotiate and navigate around some of that by going bigger, not by going through it, going bigger. And I know that's hard to understand without being in it, but just just try it. You're you're an entrepreneur. You do these things. You are an inventor. You're a creator. Be that creator by going into it and going, just say, well, okay, let's not get stuck there. Let's go bigger. You're, you're, you're saying you're worried about this. Why do we even have to have a sales issue? Why do we have to have a production issue? Well, let's not get stuck in the how yet. Let's, what is it we want to create? What is it we want to do? And by the way, create it from nothingness. That's what we're great at. AI is going to make us obsolete if we don't move back into vision. I think that that that's a that's a good point because it's if you can understand where the end destination or ultimately where you want to go and work backwards, then you have tools like AI, like other other kind of non-thinking pieces that can supplement and help what you're doing. As opposed to, uh, you know, when rely on step by step, and that you can easily be replaced because you're not putting any creativity, you're not building, you're not doing, you are just kind of uh, going along with with emotions there. Uh, you know, one thing I want to yeah. follow, ask you on mentoring CEOs, you know, that's their job is high stress. There's a lot of a lot of people that are interested in in the decisions they make, and that the fate of their company, if you will, depends on on how they perform. What types of things are they asking you or how how are you helping them get to the next level when you know they've got so many things on their plate as it is? How, how are you a value add for them and how do they decide that, yes, I want to spend time with Jim because he's making my life easier, better, and helping what, what I'm trying to do here? Sometimes they don't want to spend that extra time with me because I drive <laughs> them crazy. I've had people go, Jim, stop asking me to go bigger. I'm getting a little frightened here. And I go, good. That's what we want. Let's, let's, let's push the needle out here a little bit. But that's how we took a $12 million company into a $23 million company in one year. That's how we got a $1 million company, a gal who had a, by all, by all measures, you know, she was stuck four or five years, same numbers, et cetera, and so forth. Even during COVID, we took her to 4 million through vision, but pushing the, the concept through vision. The CEO, though, with a time challenge, we have to address that. We have to address your time. You can't be effective if you're constantly in the moment doing the things that you need to do. So you need to step back a little bit. And we don't have to take a lot of time to do this. But if you are, if you are committed to the concept of it and you go deep, as you're driving home, you're thinking about it. As you're sitting, you know, doing something mindlessly, you're thinking about it. And then suddenly it, it, it comes upon you. 
Uh, there was this one woman at an event and it was the Friday night. So it's the very start of the event. This is a cocktail hour. And she, she and I were talking and her husband was there and they're from Louisiana, really nice couple. And I was really enjoying talking to her. I asked her, well, what do you do? She, well, you know, I, I, I get gifts for other people is what she said. I mean, that sounds cool. And you, know, you like your business? She goes, no, I'm kind of burned out. I had five or 10 minutes with her, just encouraging her. Hey, you know what? If you found a bigger vision, if you looked into this, if you really kind of found something that connected you, that's bigger than just I'm doing this for them, or I'm just doing it to please them. And then, and just really fire on that. You might find something really powerful. Saturday, Sunday goes by. I don't hear from her. You know, there's four, 500 people here. Sunday morning, I'm, I'm five minutes from giving a presentation. She runs up to me, wants to talk to me. And she's like, Oh, I got to tell you, I got, I found it. I found it. I found it. And I, you know, she's all excited. A year later, she doubled. I, I didn't even mentor her, but she found a connectivity that allowed her customers to get excited about her and her non-customers to go, oh, well, you ought to go to her because she does this for these people in the gifting sector. And that's what we kind of want to realize is, is it doesn't take as much time as we think, but we do need to, to invest some time in it and you need to carve out a little bit of that time to do it. I promise in the book, three weeks. If you diligently go through the book, I have exercises and things just like if I were mentoring you. And in three weeks, you should have a compelling directive that's going to empower your people and in, and in, make it fun for you again. Some of your listeners, they're not enjoying life right now. They're not enjoying their company. I promise you it's a vision. <laughs> I really do. You got into the business originally because of a vision. But we get into the house so much later on down the road. And how am I going to pay the rent? And you start worrying about risk and you start worried about, you know, customers and competition and this and that, that you lose sight of the vision or you've convinced yourself it's not possible. But it is. That story right there ties together what you mentioned earlier about it's important to know your why, but it, it's kind of doubling down and building off that. Why are we all doing this? How, how is this important to everyone who's involved and in, in what kind of but what inspires you? What what gets what gets your client to pick up the phone to call you? Why why are they doing what they're doing? How is it tied together? And then, if you if you can, as you mentioned, sitting in a car thinking about this when you're when you're not when when you're when you're at a conference for two days, what 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 was the driving force behind it? Why why should this work? Why is it important to everybody involved? And you can answer those questions and you do it in a way. Uh, I, I love the mentoring style that you have. They kind of help kind of people get there, but you. You don't tell them the answer. You allow them to kind of build into it and really understand that this is what we're working toward when we're all working together and how we can how we can kind of achieve it. So I really like that, uh, Jim. Where can our listeners and I have, find? Go ahead. And I haven't found any, I haven't found anybody that when I've mentored them that hasn't been able to find success out of this. That's what's so powerful. Whatever is going on in your head where you're going, oh, I don't know if this guy knows what he's talking about. I got a business. That's a, it's not my business. I don't know your business. I couldn't possibly be an expert in your business, uh, especially sitting here on a podcast talking to you. And I, I don't know how many people are listening right now. It, it isn't about me. It isn't about me giving you an answer to something that I think will work. It's about you discovering exactly what you said, Mike, that connectivity to my employees, to my customers, and to the world around me that allows people to go, wow, that's cool. I want to support that. That's when you start getting nirvana. It really starts working well. 
Where can our listeners find you, Jim? Or where can they uh, where can they connect with you if they want to find out more? Um, visionmakerbook.com. You can go and sign up for the book. Um, it's going to be released in February on the 15th. Uh, I'll have pre-sale probably in January. But for now, if you wanted to just be notified when the book goes on sale, uh, I'd be happy to do that for you. Just go in and sign up and, and you know, you'll receive a notice at that point. Um, if you wanted to talk to me, I offer a 15-minute consult with anybody who wants to talk to me right now. Um, I'm limiting it only to I'm not taking clients right now. So this is the push for me to have clients. Um, and you can find me at vision-maker.net and you can book a call with me. If you have a company, you're interested in, in trying to bust through this thing, um, you want a little precursor to the book, then you call me and we'll have some fun talking about it. And uh, maybe we'll achieve something really great. Wouldn't that be great vision? It would be great. We will post both of those. Um, listeners, take take Jim up on, on the call. Uh, he's either a blast to talk to, I can tell you that. And uh, he will he will inspire you and get to you, you know, to where you, where you want to go, or at least to have you thinking about things in a different way than you might be today. Um, well, let's wrap here, Jim. Uh, we've covered a good amount of material, but I am certain I've left questions on the uh, cutting floor. What's something I didn't ask you that I probably should have? No, I think you covered it pretty well. I mean, we we went through pretty good stuff here, but I like to, uh, everybody I touch, right? Mike, what's your vision? What's your vision of 12 and 30? That's, I was, is when you mentioned that everyone has a good cocktail answer, it's like, he's going to ask me and I'm going to, I'm going to drop the ball. I'm not going to have a good answer here. So I have had this in the back of it's my okay. mind. But that's okay. What's great is even though you don't have an answer right now, if you were thinking about it, that's all it takes literally, because now you're going to start kicking it around a bit. Right. And then you're going to discover and you're going to untie, in my opinion, all those ties we, we put in front of ourselves over the years that protected us from big visions because we were afraid maybe we'd fail. We can't fail. We're just talking about it. Well, I will. I look forward to doing this again. I will share my vision with you at that time. And uh, this has been a lot of fun, Jim. Thank you for joining us. I wish you luck with the book. Uh, and uh, you're going to have to come back and join us uh, once it's out. Well, anytime, anytime, Mike. You're a pleasure to talk to. And I hope I was helpful. Absolutely.